Good morning. It really is a good morning for being outdoors, and it's beautiful. You've got watching the sun trek as the, as the months go by. I guess it's kind of going more in that direction. You should, you should have here soon. It'll be almost at your backs. And um, so, anyway, it's a, it, it is a beautiful day to worship outdoors. Always a beautiful day uh, to worship our God. A few things remember this evening. Um, five o'clock is our, our 101, Lakeside 101, and I think we've got a good number, maybe 14 people signed up um, for it so far. We're meeting in the Fellowship Center at, at five o'clock, and so, and if you haven't yet signed up, feel free to come on. That's just sort of, uh, for those who want to know what it means to be a member at Lakeside, uh, we kind of talk about our mission, the direction we're going, it's all kinds of questions you can ask. It takes four weeks, and uh, the first one is this evening at five o'clock. Also, uh, note that uh, I think many of you are well aware we had a really incredible day uh, yesterday for the golf tournament uh, for raising uh, funds for our Belize ministry. Um, it was beautiful, had incredible participation, and uh, I think uh, Bill Hammer had said that they had raised something um, between thirteen and fourteen thousand dollars for that mission. That is really good. Um, I think uh, a couple of people had mentioned that if you raise 5000 it's something like that, you're doing really well. So it, it really was a good thing. And so for all of you that were a part of that in any way, and in the, in the golfing, the finance supporting it, getting word out uh, for people to become uh, um, uh, endorsers of it and, and, and involved in it, thank you very much. It is a blessing, and it's really going to bless the ministries that we, we support in the nation of Belize. Also, I think a lot of you are aware that we have sort of sent out an email with a survey questionnaire. Now, the League and Air Ministries, these are the ministries that put together our table talk, which we will have uh, the October one in the, this next week. That's my fault. Um, I, we did not renew our subscription to them, so, uh, but we had done that. But they, 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 they do the table talk, and they, along with a number of other ministries, have been doing sort of a state of, the, of theology in America in the year 2020. And they've been asking all kinds of questions that you can even get on Legionnaire Ministries and take it yourself and be a part of the national uh, survey, sort of finding out what people are thinking. But uh, something that a lot of these have never done before, they allow the opportunity for individual churches to take it among their congregation. And so among our, 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 our members and those that are regular visitors, we got somewhere between uh, 450, 500 people. And we're sending this out to as many of you as we can. In the coming weeks, if you would take a few moments and fill that thing out. It's not, it's not real hard. I think it's like 25 questions. Some of them are real simple. Um, you know, and, and you, you, you know, one of you don't really disagree with it, and five of you seriously disagree, uh, agree with it. And you just kind of fill these things in. And um, they don't know your name. They, it goes to a third party. No one will know who said what. Um, but it'll give us a good idea of what our people are thinking and maybe to help with our direction and when we think about our teaching um, uh, in, this coming, in this coming year. And the fun thing about this one is at the end of it, you can push a little button and see what your people are all saying right now. And so you don't have to wait to the end. You can just kind of, you know, I finish it, I push the button, and then I can see, oh, that's how, you know, so far we're thinking. I, I, they may show how many people have taken it already at that point. Um, but anyway, as I, as I mentioned in the, in the email, Tyson, myself, Wes, and we all took it. Um, and most of them were pretty straightforward. There are a few that you had to kind of think a little more about. Was, is this, how was this worded? And so, but none of it's hard at all. So, so it's a lot of fun, and, and you'll enjoy it. Remember also, if you're a visitor or a guest, um, things are just so different now. We have, it's, it's harder to get contact information. We do have some contact cards up here in a pen. Please give us the information. We have the offering um, box over there. You can just put it in there or leave it on the table. But this allows us to let you know if something's going to change. Like, will next week be as beautiful as this week? Or will it start to rain? And somewhere uh, between Friday night and Saturday morning, we will send out a text and email and everything to everybody and say, hey, we're back inside. So um, I do want to uh, be aware of that. And also make sure you're getting a bulletin for these outdoor services because uh, they do have the scriptures and the songs on. Good morning, everybody. So you are at the right place at the right time to hear the gospel proclaimed. Uh, a few things. I just want to also encourage you, as Jim said, to go and take the theology survey. We've been studying a, a sermon series called Misunderstood Doctrines. And really, we want to know what we need to teach on based on, how, based on basically our people's theology. 
And so there is a survey that we sent via email that you can go and take. I think it's only 25 questions that will reveal to us the, the overall theology of the people we work with, even though it won't tell us your individual theology. You won't be exposed in any way by taking that test. But if you can do that, that'd be fantastic. Listen, you're at the right place at the right time to hear the gospel proclaimed. It's been said a hundred times today. We've got great weather. Uh, the Lord has smiled upon us today. And so let me call you to worship. Before we sing anymore, I want to invite you, if you are able, to stand. And we will say together the Apostles' Creed. We say these creeds to remind ourselves and our children what we believe that Scripture teaches. And so Christian asks you this question, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Uh, please be seated as the musicians come forward. And let me just, let me just bring us into worship with a, with a little bit of prayer here. Father, we do come to you today lifting our voices once again. It's been a long time and we've been fearful of seeing Today outside, God, I pray that, that you would hear our song, that we would be the great choir of heaven, and that our offering to you would be our prayer, or our songs. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. After the resurrection, our Lord Jesus was exhorting the apostles. 
And he was giving some perspective of everything that um, the, 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 the whole counsel of God and how it ultimately relates to him, both past, present, and future. And so he says to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Let's pray together. Our heavenly and gracious Lord, the God who has shut up all disobedience so that he may show mercy to all, through the Spirit that proceeds from the Father and the Son, open our minds to understand the Scriptures. Let us know the sufferings of Christ and the glories that followed. Let the repentance for the forgiveness of sins given to the nations be ours today. We confess our great temptation is the lure of the world. Teach us that true humility is the way of exaltation. That what is dishonorable in the eyes of man is honor in the eyes of God. That counting others as more important than ourselves is the mark of the Son of God. That in giving we receive, in mourning we rejoice. That the one who gains the whole world may still lose his soul. And that to die daily is to walk in newness of life. Father, as we behold in the scriptures the former and latter works of your grace, above all, Christ in life, death, and resurrection, give us faith to trust and rejoice in the midst of these turbulent days. Give us love that by our good works men will glorify our Father in heaven. And give us hope, knowing all things are your plan and to be reconciled in Christ, he having made peace through the blood of his cross. Father, thank you that we can bring our offerings in the name of Jesus. Knowing this, we are encouraged to be constant and cheerful in our giving. Bless it and use it for the gospel. All these things we ask, assured by your word, that in prayer the Spirit himself intercedes for us, and that Jesus instructs us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. depths of the Tamable, all's rough we fall to our 
Kindergarten, we'll meet Miss Amy here over here to the left on the let me uh, let me take a moment now. And uh, as the kids are coming forward, let me tell you a little bit about our church. Maybe some of you are here for the first time or you've never heard me say this, but uh, when we describe ourselves as a church, we say that we are a a gospel-driven, mission-centered family of believers. And what we mean by that is, is that we never get beyond the gospel. The gospel stays central to what we do. There's no maturing past the, the gospel. The, the gospel is, 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 our, is the power we use to get off the ground. It, 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 it keeps us in the air. There's nothing greater than the gospel. We are gospel-driven. We are mission-centered, and, and that's a lot of the gospel drives us forward into the world to do missions. And you heard about that uh, $13,000, in excess of $13,000 raised this week to go to pass through Lakeside. We're not going to put our hands in any of that. It's all going to go to Belize because Belize has a, uh, an economy that's driven by tourism, and tourism is canceled, and so everyone in Belize is having a hard time eating meals. Gospel-driven, we're mission-centered, and, and at the heart of that mission is not just justice and mercy. It's beyond that. It's the it, it, it's proclaiming the hope of Jesus Christ. It's evangelism into the world. And we call ourselves a family of believers. We, uh, we're not a big church. We're a small church, uh, 450 people or so, and we, we are a church family. Uh, if you're a member here, you have someone who is going to be there uh, when your life falls apart. You have people who are going to throw showers when your, your kids graduate from college or get married or do all that stuff. It, it's a family of believers uh, let me go on to say one more thing this morning before I start preaching. If you look at your bulletin here, you have uh, you have words of the songs, and then you have an insert, which is the scripture. Now, here's what's interesting about preaching in the scripture. I bring no authority personally to preach to you. I don't have any. I have no authority apart from the declarative authority of the Word of God. So, if I'm just up here telling you what I think, well, anyone could do that. Who cares? I'm telling you what Scripture says, and it is very important that Scripture remains the center of what we preach and teach, whether we're inside and have the screens, or we're outside and we have to have pieces of paper where you will find the Scripture. And so today is no different. I plan to base the teaching of today on the Word of God and the declarative authority to just proclaim it and do nothing else. So once again, today we are concluding our sermon series. It's a sermon series on misunderstood doctrines of the Christian faith. And it's, it's been quite a ride. I mean, we, we've, we've had some pretty uh, eventful sermons that we've tried to tackle our best and be obedient. Uh, we've talked about predestination. That was fun. We've talked about infant baptism, right? That was exciting. We've studied church discipline. Who doesn't love a good sermon on church discipline, right? We, we, we studied life after death last week, and we've studied limited atonement. So this has been a pretty intense sermon series. I mean, we, we haven't been pulling our punches. We've been going straight at it. And today we wrap up with what might be the most divisive issue in the church today. We're going to talk about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I read somewhere that, uh, the, that the Holy Spirit, that there are more books written on the Holy Spirit in the last hundred years than the 2,000 years previous. 
something recently has gotten the church really focused on the Holy Spirit, and it isn't always been the historic focus of the church. Uh, let me assure, assure you that as I preach about the Holy Spirit today, that it will not be exhaustive. And what I mean by that is I'm not going to say everything that should be said or could be said about the Holy Spirit because I have like 30 minutes, and that's it. That's just not enough time to talk about everything. I would need weeks and weeks in order to go through it all. But I want to talk about some of the more common doctrinal misunderstandings of the Holy Spirit and see if we can understand the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit this morning. Uh, I want to say that one of the first mistakes in trying to understand the Holy Spirit is that people make is that they, they turn the Holy Spirit into an impersonal power. I, I don't know if you ever thought through this before, but, but when, they're, when they're talking about the Holy Spirit, they make the Holy Spirit into an impersonal power. And the great pop culture reference for that, if you think about where you find an in, in, impersonal power in pop culture, it's found in Star Wars. Right? You've all seen Star Wars, and you know the line, may the force be with you? That is an impersonable power. Those of you who have watched Star Wars know that in the movie there's something called the force, and that it binds the universe together, and that people uh, can tap into the, uh, the force around them and gain certain supernatural abilities. And in this movie... Uh, when they talk about the force, they use the pronoun it. Can you feel it? Can you control it? The force is an it. It's not a person. It's a power or it's an energy that exists in the universe. This is not the way it works with the Holy Spirit. Let me say that to begin with. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Spirit is not an it. Look with me on your insert there. You'll find your first scripture being John 15, 26. And we'll just read it together. It says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Not it, he. Jesus says that when he sends the Holy Spirit, he will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit is a he. We'll go on to maybe another scripture there, John 16, 13 through 14. He's going to elaborate about this. Jesus, again, is the speaker. Uh, when the speaker of truth comes, it says he will guide you into the truth. Well, he will speak not on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Uh, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And if you look at that, you pay attention, what you see is he, 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 he. Over and over again, we see the pronoun of he used for the Holy Spirit, not it. And I think that should be helpful to you as you, as you pray and as you talk to God uh, about his Holy Spirit, that you can, uh, you can say, Lord, send him, not send it. The Holy Spirit is, is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a power of God. Rather, it is God. A person of the triune God. Uh, so we know that the Holy Spirit is a person. That's the first thing we know. We know it's not simply a force. A force. We know it's part. Uh, the Holy Spirit is God, and we know it's part of the Trinity. What I want to talk about next is this idea of what is the role or the job of the Holy Spirit. Like, if you were to ask, what is what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Well, let's look at our first uh, scripture again this morning. The first one we read, it was John 15, 26. We'll go back there. It says this, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Well, the first thing I think to recognize in the scripture is what does Jesus call the Holy Spirit? He calls him the Helper. And that's not to minimize the Holy Spirit. I mean, a lot of times we hear that word helper and we think, uh, that's a, like we've seen the movie, The Help. The Holy Spirit is not the help of heaven. That's not how it works. Uh, the Holy Spirit is divine. But in his divinity, he has come to you to help you. We also see in John 15, 26, that Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. Do you see that there? That he's called the Spirit of truth. The Spirit helps towards truth. He helps by changing your heart and pointing you away from sin and towards the truth of salvation. And, and, and so in conclusion about this verse, let's just say this. What is Jesus saying about the primary work of the Holy Spirit? What's the job of the Holy Spirit spelled out in this verse? Jesus says that the work of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness about Jesus. 
right? The, the main job of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness about Jesus. The helper comes and he's going to help you see Jesus. What's more, he's going to help you want Jesus. The Spirit of God is going to allow you to choose Jesus. Um, that same verse, if we look at it, what's, what's really interesting in it, that 1526 there, is that when you look at that verse, you see all three characters of the Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity acting. You see the triune God. You, you see this great dance of salvation. Jesus, look at it. Think about it this way. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit from the Father to bear witness about Jesus. It's funny. Jesus is the sender in this, he says, but he's also the one to whom the Holy Spirit will bear witness. Not a great kind of dance there of the Trinity. Another place we see that great, uh, beautiful work of the Trinity together is in Jesus' baptism. And so I want to draw you back to Jesus' baptism, and I want to talk for a minute about how we see the Holy Spirit work and the union of the Trinity in that baptism. So if we were to look at Matthew 3, verses 16 through 17, I'll read it for us. You follow along. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Here again, we see all three persons of the Trinity, and they're all interacting. And so what God the Father is doing in this verse is he's testifying that Jesus is the Son from whom he's well pleased. You hear that voice from heaven. While at the same time, the Holy Spirit, while the Father's testifying, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, it says, and he comes to rest upon Jesus. Once again, the Holy Spirit is doing the same work that we saw in the last verse. He's bearing witness about Jesus and coming down like a dove and landing on Jesus. He's doing what he always does, bearing witness to Jesus, trying to get people to look at Jesus. What is the one name in heaven and earth by which people are saved? Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit wants you to see Jesus and wants you to believe in Christ. Now, here's my question. Just think through this. What did not happen when this happened? The Holy Spirit didn't come down from heaven, and he didn't break out into some fancy flight routine. He wasn't doing any barrel rolls. There weren't any complicated dove flight maneuvers. There weren't any drum rolls when the Spirit came down, nor was there a spotlight on the Holy Spirit. You understand this? When the Spirit came down, he, he, no, no fancy flight maneuvers, no confetti cannons, nothing to draw attention to the Spirit. The Spirit wasn't look, looking for people to focus on Him. The Spirit wanted to make sure that people saw Jesus. The Spirit is a person, yes. The Spirit is a fully divine member of the Trinity, yes. The Spirit does have a primary job. What is that job? It's very simple. You just need to hear it over and over again today. To bear witness to Jesus. To bear witness to Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't get a spotlight when he descends because the Holy Spirit is the spotlight. Do you understand that? In that story, the Holy Spirit doesn't get one. It is one. And it shines its light like coming down from heaven. It shines its light on the one who is to be the star of the show. It shines its light upon and its glory upon Jesus that people might believe and be saved point of the Holy Spirit descending like a dove is that people might say, look, Jesus is the Messiah. We can't overstate this enough this morning. Like, I just need you to understand that. The person and the role of the Holy Spirit. And, and like, if, if you don't understand that, if you don't understand the person and the role of the Holy Spirit, this basic stuff, you're destined to get a lot of things wrong as it comes to understanding the Holy Spirit. Uh, others have misunderstood the person and the role of the Holy Spirit. One such person that we read about in Scripture who gets the Holy Spirit all wrong was this uh, Sumerian sorcerer named Simon. Simon, uh, like I said, was a, was a Sumerian. He he was a you know basically a magician. He was kind of like a modern day David Blaine. He did he did tricks and he was he was famous and people knew him. He had a lot of authority. He had a, a spotlight pointed on him. And uh, as we read scripture, we read that, that uh, he was introduced to the gospel. And, he, and this happened through the preaching of Philip in Acts chapter 8, that Simon, this magician, hears the gospel. And at least at some point, there's some form of transformation 
Uh, some, some people will say it's a fake transformation. Some will say, well, no, I mean, it really happened. He believed. Here's what Scripture says about Simon after he hears the gospel, Acts 8.13. I think you have it there with you. Um, uh, it says this, um, even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So Simon was amazed by the miracles. Uh, Simon believes the gospel of Jesus, he's baptized, but then he kind of starts getting enamored, not by Jesus, but by all the miracles and all the signs. It's not Jesus that, that impresses him, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that the apostles seem to be will, uh, kind of moving around and using. Um, let's pick up our reading from there this morning. We're going to be reading our primary reading in Acts 8, 14 through 24. And as we do, I want to take a moment, I want us to, to stop and pray and, and stand together and read this. So if you're able to stand, I want to invite you now to stand. And let's read together. All right, first, let's pray. God, to you be all glory. We do come to your scripture looking to submit our lives to it. Spirit, we ask that you open our, our hearts and open our minds to hear this word proclaimed. We pray this in Jesus' name and all the church said, amen. All right, hear now the word of God found in Acts chapter 8, beginning in the 14th verse. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought that you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Uh, for I see that you are in the gal of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come to me. Church, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. For the sake of summary, let me go back and say some of the things we've said. When it comes to understanding the Holy Spirit, the first thing that we understand is the Holy Spirit is a person, is not an it. He is part of the divine trinity. The third thing that we understand about the Spirit is that he has a primary job, and that job is to bear witness to Jesus. And if you don't understand this, you're going to end up with a warped doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what we see in Simon, a sorcerer who was once the most powerful and mystic man in town. But now the Holy Spirit has descended, and Jesus seems to be the one getting all the glory. Simon was once the spotlight. Now the Holy Spirit is at work through the apostles, and the spotlight's no longer on Simon. It's placed on Jesus the miracles happening in Samaria are, are so that the people will believe God's special revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. This is consistent with, with what we know of the Holy Spirit. He is still basically the same as that dove landing on Jesus. And as a result of all this work that's happening in Samaria, a lot of people are coming to a saving faith in Jesus. So much so that, that Philip reaches out to uh, Peter and John and they come from Jerusalem up to Samaria. So many people are being led by the Spirit to see Jesus that Peter and John come in to help, and they help them receive the Holy Spirit. And, and when this sorcerer who's watching, a man by the name of Simon, sees this, he sees the Holy Spirit being laid out, he tries to pay Peter and John to lay hands on him that he too might receive the Holy Spirit. And look at what he says in verse 19. He says, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He, he wants abilities. You understand this? He wants abilities. He wants power. He wants tricks. He wants skills. He wants uh, to be a Jedi and use the force. But the Holy Spirit is not a power to possess. Rather, he's a divine person who desires to bring glory to Christ alone. And so Peter doesn't, he doesn't mince any words with Simon. 
He says something that's pretty harsh. He says, may your silver perish with you because you thought that you could attain the gift of God with money. So, so here's the, why do I bring all this up? Why talk about the need to understand the person and the work of the Holy Spirit? I'll tell you why. It's because a lot of Christians suffer from the same critical error which we see in the life of Simon. And what I mean by that is, is that they want mystical and spiritual activity from the Spirit instead of wanting what the Spirit is truly trying to give and accomplish in the life of believers. And if I'm going to make that claim, I better follow it up by showing what it is that the Spirit is truly trying to give. And so I, I want to do that right now. The first thing that the Spirit is truly trying to give to us is salvation. If you look with me in, in that scripture, I think it's on the back, it's Ephesians 2.8. It says this, it says, and you, you should be familiar with this verse, it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. How does, how does Paul say that we're saved? We are saved by faith, and that faith which saves us is not our own doing. Rather, he says that faith is a gift of God. And, and if we want to really understand that more and look more on that gift of faith, we could look at 1 Corinthians 12, 3, where we talk more about that. It says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit of God. So I find that really interesting. So, so follow, follow me here. In other words, if the Spirit of God is at work within you, you will not speak ill of Jesus. Does that make sense? We've been talking about the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. And if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to work towards the Spirit's purposes, not counter to His purposes, so you're not going to speak against Jesus. But Paul even takes this one step further. He says this, it's not just that you won't say negative things about Jesus. He says this, that no one could even say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Think about that. You can't even profess faith in Jesus unless the Spirit is inside of you, stirring your heart to confession. And, and, and that's amazing to think that, that, that none of us were able to choose Jesus without, without the Holy Spirit being in our heart and stirring us into that. And, and some people want to talk about the gift of the Spirit being this ability to speak in tongues. I would tell you to make no mistake that the greatest gift of the Spirit is faith. No one is believing in Jesus apart from the Spirit. That's what the Bible says. We just read it together. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. His work is pointing to Jesus and to stir your hearts to faith in Him. So if I was to talk about what are the gifts of the Spirit, I would say the, what we just say, the first gift of the Spirit is faith in Jesus. But the Spirit, after giving you faith in Jesus, doesn't leave you. He's not done with you. Rather, the Spirit dwells inside of you, and He continues His work by pointing you to all truth. That's what Scripture says. Uh, here's what else John says about the Spirit. If we look at John 14, 26, it's there also. It says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring you to and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Spirit first points us to Jesus and gives us faith. And he gives us a new heart to believe. And he dwells within us and he begins to teach us all these things about Jesus. And I love what it says there. It gives us this idea that the Spirit helps us to remember the things that Jesus says. You ever thought about the, the Spirit as kind of being part of your memory? It's like, I, I can't remember what Jesus says, but wait, the Spirit's in me, helping me to work to remember what it was that Jesus says. That's a beautiful teaching of Scripture here. And Lord knows, if you're anything like me, you need help with your memory. Um, and, and the Spirit works inside you, you will start to change. We understand this, right? As the Spirit works within you, you're going to start to change, and this will be evident to other people who are around you. Other people are going to be able to look at you, and they're going to be able to tell that the Spirit is at work within someone and because they see the proof of the Spirit working. What is the proof of the Spirit working? If nothing else, we call it the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the logic is this. If you look at a tree and you want to know what kind of tree it is, you go up and you put your hands on it and you go, oh, this tree has apples on it. It's an apple tree. 
right? Well, you go on and you say, oh, this, 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 fruit, this tree has cherries on it. It's a cherry tree. You can tell what kind of a tree it is based on what kind of fruit it produces. In the same way, you can tell if someone is filled with the Spirit based on whether or not they produce what we call the fruits of the Spirit. And that we find those fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And here's where they're listed out. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So if you're filled with the Spirit, if you're, if you're a spirit tree, in other words, you can say that, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to be loving. And that's proof of the Spirit being inside of you. If you're a Spirit-filled person, we can look at you and go, that's a loving person. And if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to be joyful. We can see that based, because the, joy, the Spirit's inside of you, you're producing the fruit of joy. Peace. Patience. It's simple logic, really. The way to tell if someone is full of the Spirit is to look for the fruit of the Spirit. So the first work of the Holy Spirit is to point to Jesus that you might believe. And, and then that work, in, that Spirit begins to work inside of you and gift you with faith. Then the Holy Spirit stays at work with you, teaching you all things and helping you to remember the words of Jesus, like spurring your memory on, ultimately producing in you the fruit of the Spirit. And people can see that, that you're going to be a joyful person. You're going to be a peaceful, gentle person and self-controlled like Jesus. Now, this is not meant to be an exhaustive list of everything that the Spirit does. I have about half an hour, that's all. But this is meant to introduce you to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. He points you towards Jesus. He gifts you with faith. He dwells within you and he starts to make you look like Jesus. That is at the heart of who the Spirit is. I bring this up because there are some Christians who suffer with really poor theology of the Holy Spirit. They believe that the Holy Spirit's job is to unlock deeper truths than the gospel, something more than the gospel. They move quickly past the good news of Jesus, and instead they focus on acquiring special spiritual gifts. And they'll say that if you're really a spiritual person, you will get special abilities from the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't displayed these special abilities, then there is a problem with your faith. You're immature. Your faith is dead or sleepy or you know, in some way broken. Maybe, maybe even you have some underlying sin and that's why you haven't received one of these gifts. And, and I've had this happen in my life. And I don't know if you've had this happen in your life ever. I had, I had this buddy in, in college. He was a, a Pentecostal guy. Um, and, and he was sure that you know, I was working at it. I was interning at, a, at, a, at another church, and he was sure that I wasn't saved. And he would tell me over and over again, I'm sure that, that the Spirit hasn't fallen on you because you can't speak in tongues. He would say this to me. He was, he was sure that the, the Spirit was being withheld from me. And he would ask me oftentimes, he's like, well, have you tried? And I can remember uh, wanting his approval so much that, that I would even try to speak in tongues. And I, I remember going, ooh, we're going to move. You know, I was just trying. I wanted to be accepted. Uh, I really, really did. I wanted to know that I had the complete fullness of what God wanted to give me. He took me to church with him once, and I was immediately uncomfortable. There were people dancing in the aisles. They were, they were shouting. And uh, I remember I had, a, I had a girlfriend in high school. I wasn't planning on telling this story, but it's funny. But she came home one day, and, and, or her dad did. Her dad came home from church one day, and he had a black eye. And the family said, what happened? And they said, well, the man in front of me got the Holy Spirit. And his hands just went a-flailing. I don't know if that's true, but that was the story. I was, at the, I was at the church with this guy, and there were people flailing. There were people screaming and jumping and dancing. There was a guy falling on the floor. There was a pastor who would come up and touch you on the forehead. And there were guys behind who would catch. And I didn't. I really, I don't, and I didn't want to be judgmental. It wasn't my goal. But I'll tell you this. I was so distracted. But I never once thought about Jesus. On the way to the car, uh, I can remember uh, my friend had told some people in the church that he was bringing me and that I was probably a non-believer or something like that. And, uh, and this woman met me on the way to the car and she had a card for me. And I opened up the card later and it was a word of prophecy for me. 
And it, it was a word uh, that she said was from God specifically for me. And I began to read it. And as I read it, it made no sense to me. And I thought, what is wrong with me that this card makes no sense to me? And I remember opening it back up again for the longest time because I didn't want to miss what God had for me. I, I thought to myself, I have a message from God in this woman's handwriting. So I poured over it. I, I tried to understand it, but it never made sense. Let me say this. As a middle-aged man who is now looking back on those experiences, I'd, I'd like to make just a few observations. So observation number one. If you understand that the main work of the Holy Spirit is to draw every eye in the room to Jesus, then why would a Christian community be so focused on the Spirit? The Holy Spirit would not want us to be focused on the Holy Spirit. There, there are no acrobatics when the Spirit comes down. Uh, the Holy Spirit would say, look at Jesus. Not this guy flapping on the floor. Not this woman mumbling in the corner or screaming during worship. It's not the true nature of the Holy Spirit to seek attention or to be a distraction from the glory of God. When the, when the Spirit comes, He points to Jesus and we all see Jesus and we're undistracted. Observation number two. Thinking that speaking in tongues or prophesying and having special words of knowledge is a good indicator for how spiritual someone is is a, misunder is, a, is a really grave misunderstanding of the scriptural teaching of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is clear that, that the proof of the Spirit working in us is not this manifestation of the spiritual gifts, but rather it is whether or not we produce the fruits of the Spirit. You look at someone, you want to know if they're Spirit-filled? See if they're they're a loving person. See if they're a joyful person. See if they're patient. See if they're kind. See if they're good. See if they're, they're self-controlled. That's the place where you get a sense of the Spirit's work in someone. Let's wrap this up. Every sermon that we have uh, we've walked through together in this series on misunderstood doctrines has been controversial, if you will, because these topics have been challenging. And they've challenged what people believe about God. The idea of, of limited atonement bothered some people. The idea of predestination bothered some people. The idea of infant baptism bothers others. Maybe you were challenged by what was preached last week as we talked about life after death. Today, though, we examined the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We learned that the Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is a person. In fact, the Spirit... Uh, is called in the Scripture, He, over and over again. And the Spirit is a divine member of the Trinitarian Godhead. We learned that the Spirit's main goal is to bear witness and to draw attention to Jesus, and that the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit is faith. We learned that it's only by the Holy Spirit that our lips can profess faith in Jesus, and that it's impossible, it's impossible to profess faith in Jesus without first the inward work of the Holy Spirit. We learn that the Spirit takes up dwelling inside of us, and we are born again, and we have a new nature, and the Spirit starts acting as our guide and our helper, and we grieve our sin because of the Spirit, and we remember the words of Jesus because of the Spirit, and eventually everyone who is filled with the Spirit, they start to look more and more like Jesus. They start to bear the fruit of the Spirit, and that is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not some second baptism that gives you mystical gifts. The Spirit indwells everyone who confesses Jesus is Lord. He is inside of you. He's, he's trying to guide you in all truth. Don't get distracted by the mystical. All of the work of the Spirit is about bearing witness to Jesus. My prayer is that you will listen to the inner guiding of the Holy Spirit and that... Uh, and that you will listen to his warnings about sin, and that you will listen to his leadings to repent, and that you will allow him to lead your eyes to the glory of God's Son, Christ Jesus, who is our Lord. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's all about Jesus. Uh, join with me as we pray together. Father, we thank you that you exist as a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
We thank you that we see that triune God in display in the baptism of Jesus. Father, as you bear witness to the glory of your Son, and you send your Spirit to bear witness to him also. Father, we know that there is no other name in heaven and earth by which man may be saved other than that of Jesus Christ. And so today, God, we proclaim the name of Jesus. We take great hope in Jesus. We align ourselves with Jesus. Jesus, you are our Lord. You lived the life that we could not live. You died the death we should have died. And it is by faith that we access through the grace of, of our God that we put on the merit of Christ Jesus that one day when we reach the end of our days, we will be in heaven and at peace with our God for eternity. This is our prayer and all of God's people said, amen. Let's continue worshiping this morning through song. I hope that you will join us next week as we uh, move away from the misunderstood doctrines and we start talking a lot about prayer. We're going to spend several weeks exploring the Psalms and looking at the different kinds of prayers that we learn from the, the prayer life of the psalmist. Really, the Psalms are, are just a collection of beautiful prayers, and there's a lot that we can learn to use and apply to our lives by looking at the Psalms. So we're going to do that together for a few weeks. Uh, we have heard the gospel proclaimed today. We've heard about the Holy Spirit's work within you. You know, uh, there's no such thing as a, as a Christian who's not spirit-filled because no one can be a Christian unless they're first filled by the Spirit because no one can confess the name of Jesus unless the Spirit works in you first. Being that the Spirit is at work within you, listen to it. Do not grieve it. Obey it when it convicts. Obey it in, in your need to repent. Follow it as it shapes and as He shapes in you. <laughs> See, I, I, I wasn't listening to my own preaching there. I said it. As He shapes in you. Right? The fruit of the Spirit. Go with you, or go now and take with you the love of God, the grace of Christ Jesus, the Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit until we meet again. Let's sing a little bit more. with you and hear you singing this this morning until next week god bless